2: Hour number two is underway. Thanks again for joining us on 1420, The Answer. We've got uh, a lot of stuff still to discuss this hour, including uh, probably the best slash worst example of what I was just talking about with the left cheering for failure of the United States economy, cheering for the spread of the coronavirus, even if it costs lives, in an attempt to make sure that it costs money in an attempt to make sure that the economy is hit and hurt. So that attempt, of course, would lead to um, an extraordinary blow for the Trump campaign for re-election in 2020. Uh, Jake Tapper on CNN going after the Surgeon General. The Surgeon General! It's unbelievable. you have to hear this. That'll be coming up after we talk to our next guest. Our next guest is no uh, stranger to the program. We've had him on on many occasions. He is a former speechwriter for George H.W. Bush. That's Bush 41. He is also the co-founder of the original National Tea Party movement. His name is Michael Johns. Back with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Michael, good to talk to you again. How are you, sir?
3: Hey, good to talk to you, my friend. How
2: you been? I'm good, thank you. I appreciate you uh, making the time for us, Michael. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about, and I'm going to start with something you and I chatted about already, and that is big tech. and And I want to because there's a, a number of questions here. We all know that Big Tech has an outsized influence on the opinions of the American populace. They impact what the American people buy. They impact uh, what the American people are interested in. Uh they listen through your phones, they listen through our uh through the um uh the uh, uh Google Home and the uh uh Alexa devices and so on and so forth so they can steer ads to you. All of these things, every click you make on a computer. So Big Tech really influences people. So the idea that they can't influence people as to how they vote, the idea that they can't influence people as to how they feel about various um, public issues um, is 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 foolish. Uh, clearly, they have a massive outsized influence on what people do when it comes to uh, elections. Well, here we are in an election year, Michael. I want you to try to make some sense for us of big tech's influence not just on how people may vote, uh in this coming election, presidential and congressional and, and other races, but also looking back, how big of an influence did big tech have on who won and lost in 2016?
3: Yeah, well first a few I mean a few facts. Number one is the as you correctly pointed out, these technologies are crucially important for the dissemination of information. And people think about in terms of you know posts and things like that, it's not just that; it's media itself is really being distributed through it. So, for instance, if you don't have uh, you know a great Facebook presence and you're a media outlet, um, you're suffering right now. A very large percentage of mainstream and conservative and liberal news is is filtering through these outlets and through Twitter. So I mean, just to look at at the big ones: Google, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube. All four of these, at the highest levels of their managerial teams, are avowed progressives. Not just in their ideology. I've served on the executive management team of a Fortune 1,000 company. Did so with conservative beliefs, but those beliefs I never really. Articulated much unless someone asked me about them. I certainly didn't look to impose them on the company, much less the company's consumers. And yet, that's exactly what these four companies are doing. It's not conjecture, it's really at this point pretty much on the record that that's what they are doing. They um, look down, I believe, on uh, the American people and on Trump voters, especially, think very uh, lowly of them. Mm-hmm. Since we're taking on this self-righteous crusade of of writing their ways and using these huge, um, well-capitalized, important mediums uh, to do that, and to your other question of historically what the influence has been, I always knew it was significant, but I've, I guess starting to get a little frustrated on this issue because I really feel like there's a lot of rhetoric on it, but not really much in the way of action. Um, and let me be honest, sadly, I think that includes, I think this administration's got to start stepping up, not just with, you know, conferences and words, but, you know, with what their game plan is to actually, uh, settle these issues. But you have, um, you know, studies that are out from experts who've looked at this that are now speculating in 2018, as many as, uh, four and a half million votes, could have been steered in the way of Democrats as a result of their algorithms, their mm-hmm. uh, biases, their deplatforming, and all the other steps that they've taken. And that's enough, really, to have swung the House from Republican to Democrat hands in 2018. So you know, go back now to 16 and say what would be the impact of that, have been it would have taken away their sole talking point on that election that, that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote if you took out tech bias and the projected impact that um, these experts are, are saying it would mm-hmm. she would not have had Trump would have won the popular vote so wow. it's immensely uh, a crucial um, the expert that I'm citing a guy named Robert Epstein um, who is. A Democrat and a liberal and no fan of Trump's, uh, but is an expert on these mediums and um, is concerned about the impact this is having on our democracy, Uh, is very pessimistic about the 2020 election. I'm not. He is. He believes that this bias is so institutionalized at this point and going to be so influential in uh this um swing vote, of which there aren't huge amount, but, but they are going to be crucially important that he's all but written off the twenty twenty um election for Trump. Um so he clearly sees it as being massive. Um and, you know, from my perspective, I feel like we started talking about these issues back during the Obama administration, I mean, we're like six, seven years into this. I feel like it's the repeal and replace thing again. I mean, I just don't. I'm starting, to, I guess, to be blunt, which is where I'm at with this whole thing. I'm starting to get a little frustrated, particularly with the Washington D.C. based conservative organizations. I, I think they're living in a bubble. I really, I think these are the things that they're getting compensated and and grant monies and, and individual donations in the tune of tens of millions of dollars to address, what are they doing? I mean, we have literally nothing happening, no regulatory steps, no pressure being exerted on the administration. You know, it's all, all these individuals who get isolated are not big enough to pick up this fight against Silicon Valley and, and the Washington, D.C. establishment. This has to be taken on by, by heavyweights. And I don't feel like it's receiving the level of uh, priority uh, day-to-day attention that it requires. And I don't think it's it's terribly complicated either. I I really think you can lay out, in fact, I did so this morning just fooling around, saying what what would a good piece of regulation on this actually look like? I think there's about five or six steps that could be, instituted that would not be costly on companies would not be particularly burdensome on them but would maintain a level of objectivity that would be acceptable to everyone and i don't know if to let my know my, uh, my
2: my question about that part of this michael we're talking to michael johns <clears throat> who is a former speechwriter for george hw bush and also the uh, co-founder of the national tea party movement my question is is as an anti-regulatory conservative, which I am, which right. I believe you to be, and I know Donald Trump is, I know when he came into office, he said we're going to strip away all of these burdensome regulations that are holding back business growth, etc. And he said for any new regulation that is imposed, two of them must be repealed, and we know that's been very successful in helping to grow and build this economy. How do we answer those who would say, you're trying to contradict yourself now. You want to put on regulations on businesses you don't like, like right. you know big tech companies, uh, and strip them away from others. Uh, uh, you know, particularly when it comes to environmental and, and these kinds of things. So, how do we call for regulations? Yeah, and, there, on there,
3: big and tech? there are conservatives like Mike Lee has made that point. He's sort of at odds with some other conservatives, mm-hmm. you know, like Ted Cruz. And I'd put myself in the Cruz camp on this that we need to do something. Here's why we need to do something: these are discriminatory practices. This has really gotten – this has really reached the point of it being almost indistinguishable from, you know, your energy company or your cable company or your, you know, cell phone servicing. You know, we hear you on the radio. We hear your viewpoints. We don't really subscribe to those viewpoints, and we're going to just deny you service. Um, that is not a practice that is acceptable, uh, by someone's ethnicity, by their religion, by their gender, by their sexuality. And I don't believe it should be acceptable by their political outlooks. And for us to turn a blind eye on this and say, well, we're just going to, you know, at this point, late so late stage in the game, too, by the way, good luck catching up with these technologies, even if we did go down that route. Uh, accept that as an acceptable and legal approach for them to take, I think is a, is a huge mistake. These are These are... They are discriminating against a body of individuals in a way that is indistinguishable, really, from any other form of discrimination. And it's proving what? particularly harmful, given the projected impact it's having on our country's leadership.
2: I completely agree. And the the behavior and the behavior of the people that choose this country's leadership. That's the point here. Uh, Michael Johns is my guest. Michael, I want to ask you about getting away from big tech into big medicine and specifically the coronavirus and the politicization of the coronavirus by the left against Donald Trump. But I've got to get a time out here. You hang with me. Sure thing. Okay, awesome. I did not know what your schedule was, so I appreciate that. Didn't expect to go this long, but we'll come back with Michael Johns right after this. All right, it's ten twenty-two. We're back with uh, Michael Johns, who is a uh, co-founder of the National Tea Party and a former speechwriter for George H.W. Bush. Let me move away from big tech, and I want to talk about the coronavirus, and I want to talk about the ongoing attempts by the left to scare and fearmonger monger uh, Americans into not gathering, into not going to events, not going to the movies, not going to the ball games, not going to uh, shows, concerts, etc., doing everything they can to keep them home and to stop them from spending money, in the hopes that, of course, the fear will lead to an economic shutdown. An economic, and, and we're already dealing with that. Uh, as you know, the um, um, they stopped trading today as the Dow plunged 1,900 points yeah. um, over uh, the oil crash because of what's going on with the feud between Saudi Arabia and in russia um there are a lot of elements to this but the the last thing that we need is mainstream media and the far left including elected democrat officials uh, trying to scare people into staying home and not spending their money they are trying to bring true they trying to have a uh, essentially a um uh an economic uh uh, uh I won't say collapse, but at least an economic contraction. They want it to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. They've been saying we're going to have an economic uh, retraction or contraction, rather, for a long time now. Bill Maher and some of his friends on HBO have said this is what we want to see happen because it will hurt Donald Trump. Michael, can you speak to what you are seeing from the left trying to scare people into staying home that the coronavirus is like the black plague in order to shut down the economy in this country?
3: I think yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, I it's unfortunate that, you know, I have to agree with it, but I've, you know, I am I'm really following this closely and I've seen it before, but you can see it in real uh clarity right now that they're actually rooting for this thing to be as devastating and widespread and as uh punitive on our economy as possible. And um I just, you know, it's, Read a piece over the weekend. This guy uh, Pierre Coy, who's the economics editor of Bloomberg, you know, so you ostensibly, probably left, almost certainly left the center, but also ostensibly an expert on on economics. You would think, as an economic, as the editor, the economics editor of Bloomberg, I'm reading this thing, and he's like describing why we're already in a recession, and I'm like, a recession, you know, is a it, it's not a subjective term. It's not like, gee, the markets correcting a little bit or we don't feel so optimistic. It's two consecutive quarters of a downward turn of in negative growth, growth. domestic right. product. Yeah. So Trump Trump to date has had positive growth in every quarter. In fact every quarter has been over two percent. Um and he was pushing uh 3%, which would be the first time we've had 3% in, like, 10 years. Obama never has it in one of his eight years. In fact, he had uh, I think three quarters that were negative growth and, like, two or three that were barely uh, positive. Um, so so it, there, it's a misrepresentation of facts. It's based on conjecture. There is a tendency in the American people to be, I think, deeply concerned about this. Uh, it is important, to po- and I don't know what path it's going to take. I mean, it, it, no one does. I, I think that's obvious. I'm hopeful that w- with the uh, spring arriving, you're going to see, you know, this thing start to um, dissipate. But it continues. What's sad, Michael, is, is that Democrats don't uh, share
2: that hope. Michael, you can hope, and I'm with you, yeah, that, you that, know, that the, the weather, issue. they, that they is want issue. it to continue. They want it to continue as far as Politics. they can. They will sacrifice lives for power.
3: You know, it's 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 an amazing conclusion to have to reach, and uh, I, I'm sure that someone who has not seen the glee in their eyes as they describe this thing uh, would take issue with your position and my position on this. But I've you know I've been reading it, I've, you know the Never Trumpers as well. Uh, they love this you know and even with michael they're
2: cheering the weird. fact that coronavirus um was was somehow spread at cpac they're they're saying you know this is awesome I, I i'm reading that. tweets from I people through, saying I was
3: just going i was just going through the the, the, the cpac tweet on yeah that, um, over the weekend and I'm like well this is interesting it's like a, a whole bunch of left-centered people who would never have read the cpac feed who are like you know implicitly saying ha ha look uh Conservatives might have been potentially uh, had their lives endangered be by being president. well. Not just there not was. just that, Michael. You know, but Michael, friend, they're, they're my calling friend was for friends were there. Friend was there man. Yeah.
2: They're they're calling they're calling for more. They're saying, look what happened at CPAC. Now coronavirus. Do the NRA convention and do a, a Trump rally. They want. I mean, literally, they're calling for the, the, the. I mean, lives to be lost. They are cheering for potential loss of life in order to help them politically, Michael. It is unlike anything that I. Yeah. ever seen and 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 well look, and, there's
3: there's ugliness in the world, there's ugliness in the world, uh, and there's a lot of ugliness in the far left of this country, and this party um which I've never been a part of and I've never voted for, hasn't always had this ugly side to them i I mean I, I just can remember a time when you would disagree on on some policy issues and you know you would forge some consensus on logical things. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, certainly not wish each other ill. But we have just become a a country, you know, almost, well, not almost, in a political civil war. Um, I think we're
2: two countries. Is where we are. We're two
3: countries now. Yeah, but it's, you know, when I really look at it, I'm like, who's fueled this uh, thing? I mean, I just got done describing how, you know, frankly, um, I'm... Disappointed with the with conservatives' lack of assertiveness on on this technology issue, I could go on with a whole bunch of other issues mm-hmm. that I feel the same way about. That I just don't think we're assertive enough in trying to go out and make things happen that we want to ha- make happen. Whereas the left works very cohesively, very um, the very uh, goal oriented. Um, they're not particularly concerned about whether the tactics are um, ethical or um smear oriented or sadly if there's um you know casualties that aren't related to the conflict at hand. I, I just don't see how you see it any other way. And and I'm I there were a whole bunch of communications over the weekend that were exactly along the lines of what you're describing mm-hmm. of just seeing, you know, individuals cheering on this virus which wasn't created here which this administration is handling pretty impeccably as far as i can tell um and doing all the right things on and just you know rooting for the virus over the country i mean that's very well, sad right, right now my wanna, friend i don't want to attribute that to every liberal or to every democrat but you know, no, but, en- I- but enough of I- them I- that I- they're trending, You're though, worried.
2: Michael. They're trending on Twitter right now, and they're cheering the New York Stock Exchange collapse today, the 1,900-point drop, triggering a 15-minute halt. They're cheering people's 401Ks going uh, going down. They're cheering people's, uh, you know, their their future, their retirement, or whatever the case might be, uh, all collapsing here because they think it helps them politically. And that, to me, is, um, it, it might not be every liberal, but it's enough of them that they, they like I said, that they're... Well, they uh, can't stand
3: the- Trump can stand up there and say, you know, I promised I was going to create, you know, jobs, and I like I've created seven million of them. I promised I would grow this economy, and it and it's growing. I promised I would fix mm-hmm. trade agreements, and I'm fixing them. You know, I mean, pretty much every conceivable thing. I promised I would grow wages, and I grow them. I promised I would address, you know, a Hispanic and African American unemployment; it's the lowest and has been in the history of the country. They hate those statistics. Yep, And you sure do. Uh, I have, you know. So I was doing the map last night on the, on the Dow. I said, you know, even with the correction on the coronavirus, it's up 30% since Trump took office, which is amazingly impressive. I, I mean, I think anyone who had been told, uh, it would be up 30% in, um, you know, a little over three years. Is- yeah. It it is. It's been a
2: remarkable ascension. Yeah, it's been a remarkable ascension along with the economy, along with the joblessness dropping, and along along with the uh, record low unemployment rates, et cetera. And this is what he's running on, and that's why they are trying to destroy it uh, in this uh, last seven months or so before the election. Michael Johns, uh, National uh, Tea Party co-founder, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate all of your insight and analysis. We'll catch up again soon.
3: You bet. Take care.
2: You got it. Thank you, sir. Uh, 10.30, let's get news now. Your phone calls the rest of the way. AM 1420, the answer. on AM 1420 to answer good Monday to you. I promised you this before. I want to deliver it to you now. One of the most egregious examples that I was talking about with respect to the left cheering for and trying to help bring about either economic collapse or uh, political ruination of Donald Trump based on coronavirus. Rather than banding together and saying, let's work on ways to save American lives, it's let's take as many bites out of the Trump administration as possible in as many different ways as we can. Jake Tapper is the latest example. On CNN over the weekend, Jake Tapper talking to the Surgeon General of the United States of America, Dr. Jerome Adams. Listen before you even hear the answer from Dr. Adams. Listen to the question from Jake Tapper as it pertains to the cruise ship that was sitting out uh, in the harbor or in the bay, I guess, uh, that was not allowed to dock uh, because there were documented cases of coronavirus on it. And uh, the CDC and the Surgeon General's office and others tried to figure out the best way to handle this. I want you to listen to Jake Tapper ask this question of our Surgeon General. Then we'll we'll analyze and then we'll listen to the Surgeon General. All right, we're going to have to push the right button here. That's not the right button. This is the right button. Here we go. This is, uh, again, Jake Tapper on CNN
1: this weekend. Is the president's desire to artificially keep the numbers low by keeping Americans who are off the coast out of the United States, is that desire impacting health decisions to help save these Americans who have coronavirus or who could possibly have it?
2: Well, all right, just the question itself If I was the Surgeon General, I wouldn't want to reach across the table and give him five across the eyes. That's what I would want to do. That's why I'm not in a position like that, because then I would end up being arrested for assault. And while I might not actually give him five across the eyes, I would give him a verbal slap in the face, because the suggestion that Donald Trump wants to deny Americans on a cruise ship medical care... Sacrificing them on board the ship in order to avoid raising the number of people in the U.S. with coronavirus is about the most insulting thing I think I've ever heard. He doesn't want to, he wants to artificially keep the numbers low, so he's keeping them on board and denying them medical care. That's what he just suggested. Here's the Surgeon General, Dr. Jerome Adams.
4: I don't want to play politics here, but I do want to say I've been in the situation room every day. When the president comes in, he makes it clear that he wants the best advice from his health experts. As far as the cruise ships are concerned, our priorities are, number one, making sure people who are on those cruise ships and who need medical attention can get it. And we've flown people off the ships. We've flown CDC teams into the ships to help. Number two, we want to get people off the ships as quickly and as safely as we can. And number three, we want to protect our communities. And that's a delicate balance that requires the cooperation of many different partners, Department of Defense, Coast Guard, mm-hmm. and others. But again, we want to make sure we're taking care of those people on the ship in a way that protects them, but also protects communities. It is a delicate balance.
2: The Surgeon General is 100% correct. It's a very delicate balance. And it doesn't matter what the president does People like Tapper and the rest of those anti, anti American doesn't cover it. These are just anti humanity beings at CNN and, and all of the other left wing publications and broadcast networks. It's, it's inconceivable. They would, If Donald Trump said, get those people off board that ship and get them into the United States and into hospitals immediately, they would scream that Donald Trump is endangering American lives. What a reckless decision to bring them in immediately. It's just like when he closed the, uh, the border or essentially um, restricted travel from China when this whole thing began. They screamed, oh, that's just anti-immigrant. Why are you keeping these people out? And then when it started to spread in the United States, it's, hey, how come you didn't more to keep the, didn't do more to keep the, 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 uh, 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 uh the virus out? Wait a minute. You just said, I shouldn't have closed or restricted travel because it was anti-immigrant and undo the virus. Now the virus is here and you're saying, how come you didn't more to keep the, didn't do more to keep these people out? Same thing. If he unloads those ships and says, bring them in, he's going to get condemned for bringing them in and putting people in danger. If he leaves them out there, he's being condemned for trying to keep the number of people in the United States. On the mainland with coronavirus artificially low by keeping them at sea. You just heard the uh, 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 Surgeon General say they flew CDC teams out there, doctors to help treat them, contain, quarantine, etc. And they flew other people who were not symptomatic in off of the ship before they let it dock. This is that same thing. That I always say, and I apologize for the elementary school nature of this, this oversimplification, but it's just if there is a glass on the table and Trump says it's half full, they would condemn him for being overly optimistic. They would tell him this is absolutely typical Trump calling that glass half full. It's overly optimistic trying to pump up his own accomplishments. If he says, no, that glass on the table there is half empty. Oh, my God, Trump the pessimist. Trump the negative. Trump cannot see the good in anything. They will condemn him whether he says up or down, black or white, uh, right or left. It doesn't matter. He's going to be attacked. So you just heard that expert response from the Surgeon General to Jake Tapper. But Jake Tapper says, I didn't like it. I'm going to have another
1: bite at it. I understand you don't want to get into politics, but can you assure the American people The decisions are not being made just because the president wants to keep the numbers low as opposed to helping Americans. I mean, that's what he said directly. He he doesn't want to bring them in because the number will double. That's not a medical decision. That is
2: a medical decision, you unmitigated disaster of a reporter. It is a medical decision. If you bring in double the number of people with the virus, you run the risk of... Drumroll, please spreading the virus isn't the goal to contain the virus jake tapper he's calling it a political decision and not a medical decision of course it's a medical decision again Five across the ice would be happening on live television if I was there on State of the Union. Public relations decision.
4: Well, what I can say to you is based on my experience being on the task force for about a week and a half and being in that situation room every day, that the medical input is taken. Uh, Tony Fauci, uh, Ambassador Burks, Bob Cadillac, myself, Ben Carson. You have multiple doctors in the room, and our voices are in no way, shape, or form suppressed. As a matter of fact, the vice president usually starts and ends by saying doctors Is there anything that I need to hear that I'm not hearing?
2: So the Surgeon General essentially telling Jake Tapper, uh, in as polite a way as possible, to go pound sand in a place where it's not comfortable to have sand. The doctors are making the calls. Vice President Pence isn't asking for political uh, uh, answers. He's asking for medical answers. First and last beginning and end of every conversation, every meeting, every policy decision, medical decisions. But Jake Tapper, like a true, dutiful, sworn enemy of all things good in this country, or at the very least, as they would see it, all things Trump in this country, is trying to make it sound like it's a political public relations decision. If they brought in 20 people with coronavirus, they would blame Trump for spreading the coronavirus. If they keep them on the ship until they can figure out the best way to quarantine and contain, it's Trump is using this for political purposes. It's a PR situation, so he can't say that there are twice as many people in the United States with coronavirus. I'm just... I'm just telling you what you already know, and I apologize for the redundancy. CNN hates this country. MSNBC hates this country. Jackie Speier, or Spear, who is telling uh, Trump, you shouldn't have rallies. You're holding rallies, puts people together, and spreads the virus. Bernie Sanders on another channel is holding a rally with thousands of people. Not a word. Not a word. Hypocrisy is spelled d-e-m-o-c-r-a-t or if you're spelling it like i am replace the c with an n it's demon rat because that's what they are navy man norm is in strongsville you're on the air norm go ahead
5: bob tell me how you really feel (laughs)
2: I, I mean, I'm. I just. Did you hear all of that, Tapper? <laughs> Isn't that just a PR decision? If they'd have unloaded that ship, they would have said Trump just brought in the disease and 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 put these people in uh, other people on the mainland in jeopardy. I, it doesn't matter what he does; they will find fault.
5: If if I had been there, you, you, you're more Christian than I am. I would have grabbed them by the gullet and I would have taken <laughs> a living unit out of them. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious.
2: Well, I'm not. I mean, I you know I talk a big game, uh, but I I don't like to resolve problems with violence. I don't want to smack anybody, but that's just how you feel, you know. I would have delivered a verbal beatdown. I certainly wouldn't have been as genteel as the good Surgeon General was. Let's put it that way.
5: At 79, Bob, I have nothing to lose, and I <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. <laughs> Well, you know what? You're a fighter, man. You're 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 a fighter. You're a Navy man. You 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 make that call for yourself. I can't make that call for me. I you know what? You're a fighter. I think everybody would understand.
5: You mean whenever I encounter one of these idiots and I have my Trump hat on and they kind of make a sneer of or they'll say something and I will look at him and I say, "Oh my God, a Democrats that can read."
0: <laughs> That's pretty funny.
5: <laughs> yeah, and then they walk away. <laughs> anyway, you know this hysteria. It. it It's just driving me crazy. Uh, There was no hysteria when we found out that, like, uh, over 60,000 people died of the flu last year. There was no hysteria when there was the uh, swine flu epidemic that lasted for six months and over 1,000 people died on Obama's watch. There was no hysteria with the number of traffic deaths and the number of people dying from pneumonia. This thing is being manufactured wholly by our Trump-hating, America-hating news media. And you're right. They want to see the country, right? They would rather see our country mired in uh, sickness, in an economic uh, recession or depression, than see this president and the administration succeed. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, Bob. And, and, you know, and they're doing, not, I'm, I'm trying to counter it. I look at it this way. They said the stock market dropped 1,400 points today. Okay, well, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to look for different things, and I'm going to look for bargains. There, there's an old headache. Buy low, sell high. So I figure this way. Maybe it's a crapshoot. Maybe it's a gamble. But I might take, you know, a couple of thousand dollars out of the bank. <laughs> what the hell's the bank doing? It's paying what? Half the 1%? Nothing. Interest?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
5: Okay. Yeah, so, you know. Take the money and look for some good bargains. there's solid stocks out there there 's uh, utility companies that are paying four and five percent dividends you know and there 's oil companies
2: and they 'll come back but of course you know, it will absolutely you know as soon as the spring comes and the weather changes and this thing starts to die and everything else, and things return to normal any I agree with you if you 've got the, the ability if you 've got the capital right now to make an investment buy oil, buy, uh, like you said, some of the utility companies, buy, uh, you know, uh, smart stocks while their uh, prices are going down right now because of all of these fears. And guess what? Two, three, four, five, six months from now, you're going to be like, wow, did I clean up? And that's the, that's the message that I hope, you know, uh, most Americans have. This is not an indication of the state of our economy. It's an indication of the state of panic being created by fear mongers in the media not just in the United States, but around the world, over this doggone uh, coronavirus, and that's uh, uh, Norm. Norm, I got a jet. Thanks for the call. That's exactly the right approach. Thank you for for that. Great advice. If you have the means, make the purchases now. You are going to be thankful later. All right, ten fifty one. Back after this. Final segment now. Ten fifty four. Short one, as is uh, the uh, the standard. Uh, we do uh, kind of take it right up to the gun here at the end. But let's take a few phone calls before we're done. Uh, Larry in Akron on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, uh, answer wants to talk about the coronavirus as well. Hi, Larry. Go ahead.
5: Hi, hi Bob. You know, based on the way the Democrats are thinking about shutting down the economy by keeping people out of stores, stuff. Uh, why don't we shut everything down? Houses of uh, religion uh, what shut down the tv stations wherever the, wherever there's a group of people or
2: five or more let's shut it down so so
5: we wouldn't spread this thing around based
2: well, on that thought yeah that's you're right larry i mean you know who gets to pick and choose what gets to stay stay open and what doesn't you know grocery stores have hundreds of people in them at a time are we supposed to close down all the grocery stores uh, you know, every, uh, there, there, there are assemblies of people in churches every Sunday or every Saturday in synagogues and churches and so on. Do we shut them down so people aren't spreading the virus? That's the insanity of this, picking winners and losers about who gets to have their gatherings and who doesn't. Um, and, and it's also, also the, the, this is the, the, the reaction or this is the impact of, of, of fear mongering. It, it's making people yeah. legitimately wonder whether or not they should not go to their gatherings.
5: I got a better thought. Let's shut Congress down. You know, so
2: Well, they're not. They're not getting anything done anyway, right? What's the difference? Would you even notice if they were there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, boss. Thank you, Larry. Appreciate you call, my man. Good stuff. Um, seriously, I mean, honestly, Congress is like you know a wall anyway. They're all they are there to do is is uh, is politic now. They're they're politicking for their own races or for the um, presidential, taking a bite out of the other side on the presidential uh, cycle. But but in all seriousness, I will say this: um, I can't speak to any other faiths, but I will speak to my, my fellow Catholics. Why are we still passing that chalice around? that I will say look i'm not i'm not panicking and i'm not saying don't go to mass obviously and i'm not saying don't even extend the sign of peace which is a handshake uh, in 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 virtually every Catholic church I've ever been into, just make sure that you use some hand sanitizer when you're done. Make sure that you are not going to your face and your mouth uh, if somebody is coughing and is symptomatic, and then you touch their hands. But I don't know if I like passing the chalice around. If you don't know, in uh, the body of Christ and the body, you know, the, at, at the sacrament of of communion, you you pass the chalice around. It's the the wine that is represents the blood of Christ and and the. Um, Eucharistic minister just hands the cup to each person you know, with a little dry tissue, a dry, a dry uh, handkerchief, cloth. They, somebody sips it and they just wipe, the, wipe it with a dry cloth. No, it's nothing sanitary, just a dry cloth, and turns the cup a little bit and adds it to the next person, and, and they keep circling the cup again and again and again with one mouth on it after another after another after another, and to me. I find that absolutely insane to do, whether it's flu season or coronavirus season. I think there's a there's something that should be rethought there as it pertains to that. But my larger point is, if they're going to shut down arenas, if they're going to shut down theaters, if they're going to shut down places where large people gather, what, why, why are we limiting it, limiting it to just a few? Why are we not talking about literally malls? Nope. Grocery stores? Nope. Churches? Nope. Everybody stay home. Because that would be nonsensible, right? That would be absolutely ludicrous. That would be a, an overreaction. So if it's an overreaction to do that for some places, how is it not an overreaction to do it to, to, to others? Can't have a basketball game with fans at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse because, uh, because of the coronavirus? Let the players play by themselves in an empty arena? Stop it. The only people making these nonsensical suggestions are the people who are trying to crash the economy. And the people who are trying to crash the economy are the people who would benefit most from a crashed economy. Those people are called Democrats. Because the crashed economy would take the biggest re-election argument that President Trump has going for him off the table. That is the state of the economy. Yes, Democrats are trying to destroy the economy for their own personal good. That's all the time I've got for you today. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Thanks to Michael Johns, my guest. Thanks to Andrew and Marcy running the show. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's next. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence.